Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Our theme today is One Nation Under God. That comes, of course, from the Pledge of Allegiance. I've been reviewing some of the history of the pledge, and I've uh, learned quite a few things. I'm going to share just a few of them with you right now. First of all, the uh, pledge is spoken on average about 10 million times every day, mostly by uh, school children in the classrooms, of course, but not only there. It's also spoken at meetings of veterans organizations, Rotary Club, Lions Club, Toastmasters International, Knights of Columbus, many different groups and organizations. The pledge was written by a Baptist pastor whose name was Francis Bellamy. It was first spoken by school children on October 12, 1892, and was recited for 50, five zero years before Congress got around to making it our National Pledge of Allegiance. I guess they weren't any speedier then than they are now. The pledge was not always said with the hand over the heart. Originally, the flag salute looked like this, palm down, facing the flag, and at the end, palm up. Any idea when they stopped doing it that way? (laughs) It was when the Nazis came to power in Germany. It was President Roosevelt who instituted the hand over the heart gesture. And then there's this, and this gets us to our uh, message for today. There have been four changes to the wording of the pledge since it was first written. We are interested in the most recent one, and that was the addition of the words, under God. That was signed into law by President Dwight D. Eisenhower on Flag Day, June 14, 1954. How many of you were born that year? Yeah, some of us were. Well, it was a a Baptist minister who wrote the pledge. It was a Presbyterian pastor who was most influential in getting those words added to the pledge. Who knew that pastors had so much pull? It was a pastor named George McPherson Dougherty. President Eisenhower happened to be sitting in the congregation when Pastor Dougherty preached a sermon in which he said that our nation's might lay not in its military power but in its spirit and higher purpose. He quoted from the Gettysburg Address where President Lincoln resolved that this nation shall, under God, have a new birth of freedom. Pastor Dougherty then stated that those two words should be added to our pledge as a way of distinguishing our country from others. President Eisenhower responded enthusiastically to that sermon. 
which is, of course, the proper response to any sermon. And it really wasn't too long after that that the words under God became an official part of our pledge. If you're from Michigan, you might be proud to know that it was a Michigan man, Charles Oakman, who introduced the bill to the House of Representatives, and another Michigan man, Homer Ferguson, who introduced it to the United States Senate. Well, that's a very abbreviated history behind the words under God in the pledge. But I think the better question to ask is, what's the meaning behind them? Do they mean that the United States is under God's direct control the way the Old Testament nation of Israel was? Or do they mean that somehow God has promised us his, his special guidance or protection? Now, I wasn't able to find any official interpretation of the words, but I can tell you they do not mean those things, even though some have suggested otherwise. One nation under God does not mean that God's an American or that he is going to automatically be on our side no matter what. Now, here's the point. Those words don't talk about God's commitment to America. Rather, they declare our commitment to him. Now, about this time, some of us are wondering if we could still make that claim, aren't we? I don't have an answer to that question. There could certainly be disagreements as to whether we are still a nation under God or maybe if we ever really have been. But what is not debatable is that commitment to God has been a part of our nation from its beginning. So the words under God can rightly remind us of a recognition of the role that Christianity has played in our nation's founding and its ongoing history. I don't think it'd be a stretch at all to say that if it wasn't for Christianity, there would be no United States of America, at least not the way we know it. It's important to be reminded of that, isn't it? Because some today would like to rewrite history and eliminate that part of our heritage. There's been all kinds of attempts to remove any reference to God, not just from the pledge, but from the public arena altogether. That's one of the reasons for the first statement that's in your sermon outline in your order of service. Uh, the blank there is the word tough. It says it's tough to be a Christian in America. Opposition to our faith and, and its role in our nation is increasing more and more all the time. You certainly don't need me to tell you that. Although, and this might come as a surprise given what I've just been saying, it is not those who oppose Christianity who pose the greatest threat to Christianity. Now, it's not activist atheists or militant Muslims who pose the greatest threat, not that I'm downplaying the threat they do pose. I just want to make very clear that the greatest threat to Christianity is Christians. 
when we do not live up to our name. If you and I and everybody who bears the name of Christ would live out our faith every day, if we would take seriously our mission to show others by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus, if we would treat all people, all people, even those who don't share our faith in Christ or our moral values, if we would treat all people with love and respect and generosity, there wouldn't be any controversy about including under God in our pledge or anywhere else. The greatest threat to Christianity is Christians because we're not always so good at following the example and the commands of Christ. I'm not pointing the finger at you any more than I am myself. I'm also not saying that this is unique to our time or or to Christians in our country. The truth is it has always been tough to be a Christian anywhere. But in some ways, in some ways not, but, but in some ways especially in America, and one reason for that is the opposition to Christianity, even though we don't face it every day. Another reason, which is part of our lives every day, comes from an entirely different direction. I'm talking about the things in our nation that distract us, or even lead us away from our Savior. Well, when everybody around you is, is focusing on, on creature comforts and, and luxurious living, it can be awfully tough to remember that Christ calls us to live for Him and for others, not for our own pleasure. And with all of our conveniences and, and material security, we can lose sight of our need for God. I agree with the author who said that when times are good, people can start to view God much like they do a spare tire in our cars, something that's reserved for emergencies. So there's two reasons why it's tough to be a a Christian in America. One is there is some opposition to our faith. Another is the, the materialism in our society. And the third is... Because the God who is mentioned in our pledge can be whomever or whatever people want him to be. Now we know that the only true God is the one who's revealed to us in the Bible as the God who became one of us so that he could die for us and for all people. We are convinced that the Bible is completely correct when it calls Jesus and him alone the Savior. But that's also where things can get tough for us because that belief sets us up to be sharply criticized as being insensitive and intolerant by those who want to describe God in a different way than he describes himself. Well, enough hand-wringing and and woe-is-me talk. Sure, there are many reasons to say that it's tough to be a Christian in America, but wouldn't you agree that in spite of all of that, it really is great to be a Christian here? Well, first, it's, it's great to be a Christian at all. 
to know God's love and Christ's forgiveness and the peace that comes with that. But it's also great to be a Christian here in this nation. Because while there is indeed opposition to the practice of our faith, most of that's not of a violent nature. We still have freedom to worship, to share with others what Jesus means to us. And it's great when we take advantage of the opportunities to do both of those things. It's great to be a Christian in America. We are able to let our faith influence the laws and values of this great nation for the good of all people. It's what our founding fathers did. They, they purposely incorporated moral teachings from the Bible into many of our laws because they were convinced that such teachings from God would, would benefit society, believers and unbelievers alike. Today, we are still able to influence the direction of our country. Sometimes we wonder how much influence we have, and, and, and I, I get that. But we can influence the direction of our country, certainly, uh, through the ballot box or, or through contacting our elected representatives, but also, and most importantly, by the kind of lives that we lead every day. There is simply not a more powerful example, more powerful influence than the example we set by living decent, upright, sacrificial lives in service to our Lord. So when we recite the pledge and declare that we are one nation under God, let those words remind you of our nation's history, but let them also remind us of our own responsibility. But we can't speak for others who recite the pledge. We cannot declare their faith in God, but we can declare our own. We can speak for ourselves of our own resolve. Each of us as individuals, we can pledge that daily we will place ourselves under God as we lean on His grace and look for His guidance. God's grace in Christ Jesus is the source of all our true confidence and real security. Now today we, we recognize and, and we acknowledge and applaud the women and men who defend our freedom and guard our safety, and, and we do that with sincere and genuine gratitude in our hearts. At the same time, we recognize that the greatest and the truest freedom and our ultimate safety come by the grace of God through faith in His Son, Jesus. And so we lean on His grace. And we look for His guidance. We gladly and gratefully place ourselves and our nation under God because there's no better place to be. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.